Slayers, this is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date, which means we are finally gonna rip the fucking band-aid off and talk about seeing red. Okay? <laughs> this episode is officially getting put on the Buffy episode shit list, which to recap if you don't remember, because why would you? Um, I haven't put something on the Buffy episode shit list since season two. I'm pretty sure Ted is season two, right? Um, the season one episode, The Pack, where Xander turns into a hyena person and attempts to rape Buffy and never acknowledges it or apologizes for it, is number one on the shit list. It was like the third episode of the series ever pretty sure and then um also ted because it's personally triggering for me because my mom had a lot of crappy boyfriends growing up (laughs) even though that's a well-written episode and you know nothing really wrong with it it's just personally triggering so i decided when i did it for this podcast that i never had to watch it again so there you go um i think Seeing Red is an episode that, like, even though it's the most traumatizing, the most upsetting episode of Buffy ever, I think most people would agree with that assessment that watch Buffy. Even though that is the case, I think it's possible I wouldn't be able to skip the entire episode. Because here's the thing. Let's start at the beginning. Um, We get more affection and making out from Willow and Tara than we have ever gotten, like, by a lot. Like, every other time we've even seen them kiss or anything combined is not even half of what we see in this episode. And, again, okay, so I think I said this at some point during discussions of this season, but just because we've been, I've been kind of counting down to this fucking episode for so long, but, um, I'll say it again here. My, what I consider to be my sister podcast, which is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which they are a very, very popular podcast (laughs) and they probably make tens of thousands of dollars on their Patreon every month. So, and they don't know I exist, but <laughs> I consider them a sister podcast. They had three separate episodes, I think, maybe even four, talking about seeing Red. They took their time. They talked to, they spent an entire episode just talking about the barrier gaze trope. They spent an entire episode just talking about the rape, the attempted rape scene. And then they spent if I remember correctly, and it's been a while since I've listened to it. So I, I think they did an episode where they 
avoided discussion of the attempted rape scene. Then they had an episode where they just talked about the attempted rape scene. And then they had an episode where they just talked about the barrier gaze trope. And it's possible there was one more. I might be wrong about that. It might've just been three episodes, but still they really, and I'm sure it was super upsetting for them to watch too. They probably spent days and hours and, you know, they probably spent a lot of time preparing for this episode, talking about this episode, researching this episode. I was not able to do that just so you know, but what I'm saying is if you want to hear people that really tried to, and they talked to different experts on like different, they talked to like a psychologist when it, whenever they did their episode, just talking about the rape scene. I think if I remember correctly, again, it's been a while and I have a shit memory, but I would refer to them for their discussions surrounding seeing red. If you want like educated discussion, I am just a person that spent around an hour and a half like reorganizing my house to kind of put off watching this episode today. <laughs> and then I just watched it and took notes. And I also did, I watched it a couple days ago as well, as is my custom. I will always watch it at least twice before I talk to you guys. But um, that's my history. I am not going to be talking about it for three episodes. I'm just saying they are, you know, paid tens of thousands of dollars. And I don't really know if they get paid tens of thousands of dollars on Patreon, but I would assume so because they actually, they have like a fucking staff surrounding their podcast. So please check out Buffering the Vampire Slayer if you want to hear educated discussions on this episode. I'm just a person sitting in my closet telling you what I think, telling you my emotional reactions to the most upsetting episode of my favorite television show of all time. That's all. And I'm going to be drinking. And I almost always have a shot of whiskey during the course of talking to you guys, but I am pretty sure that tonight it'll be more like two or three. So let's get drunk and talk about seeing red, shall we? I'm going to go ahead and start now. So some things, <laughs> by far the thing that's most upsetting to watch in this episode is the rape scene. But the thing that is the most upsetting that happens in this episode is Tara getting killed. Um, but most of the episode is actually really good OG Buffy content. You know, we get, there's definitely been a shift in Buffy's behavior. She is fully on board with, you know, doing her Slayer shit. She really is kind of like, she's She's back to wanting to live at this point, truly, I think. And she finds the, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's just start at the beginning of my notes here. So my first note is Willow and Tara sexcapades. This entire episode is just like, they're in bed together in sheets and they're making out and they're post-coital and then they get in it again. It's just like constant, um, which I think, you know, makes sense in the context of they just got back together. So they're very happy and they're reconciling over and over and over again. 
And I think that's fine, except it's just so hard to enjoy it, knowing this is all we'll ever get. You know, we've seen them kiss like maybe three times before this moment, you know? It's because season six is when they were allowed to like start getting sexy on Buffy just in general, which is why we had all the sex between Buffy and Spike. I mean, like things got sexual in season six of Buffy and we just, you know, spent so much of the season with either Tara and Willow fighting or Tara and Willow broken up that we didn't get to see it between the two of them until now. And it's just, it just really fucking pisses me off that it happens at this point, you know? It just really makes me mad. Truly. Seriously, this whole episode is me seeing red as well. <laughs> I'm seeing red about the fact that um, this is the only episode that we get to see Willow and Tara being, like, and it's not like I need to see, like, I... <laughs> I identify as asexual, so I don't really love seeing, like, sexualized content really ever. It almost always makes me somewhat uncomfortable. However, I, in the, in the sense that Tara and Willow's relationship wasn't getting treated with equal weight as any hetero relationships on the series until this moment, right before they fucking kill her, um, you know, and I, I said last week, like, the, the show writers, showrunners, everybody involved, they all maintain that they weren't trying to do the barrier gaze trope. But is anyone ever really trying to do the barrier gaze trope? So to reiterate, this trope in cinema, in movies and TV, barrier gaze, it is basically anyone that is, and I think it probably originated with some sort of, it was probably some sort of like rule or mandate that if you had a gay character doing gay things, then they had to die. And then it just perpetuated and stuck around forever after. And it's, it's a thing, you know, it's basically, it's like the, if you've ever heard of the, um, fridge trope, like there's this thing in comic books that's happened way too many times that like literally there would be a woman that had been killed and put into a fridge at the beginning of the plot line of some male vigilante superhero. And then it just became you know, like John Wick, the girl is dead from the very beginning. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that is, that is called fridging. Whenever a woman is just like off screen, she gets killed at the beginning of a narrative and it's there to service the plot of a male character. Um, it's like that. It's basically any marginalized, um, gender or race or whatever, any marginalized person gets killed off much more often than other characters because they're expendable. They're not the, the straight cis white guy, you know? Luckily, I think that 
that is shifting whether or not it sticks we'll see but I do think that that general the general overall outlook of that kind of thing is shifting towards I mean right now I feel like all it's done is flipped you know like cis white dudes are just getting killed off right now I mean not exclusively but anyway um I don't know whatever again I'm not educated to talk I'm not smart enough to talk about this fucking shit but the point and y'all know I don't have one is I might actually have one this time um that this was done to Tara the character and it just is even more of a knife in the fucking throat that Amber Benson is in the fucking title. Like, in she's in the theme song, she's in the title credits, and this is the only time she's ever been in them. Even though she's been a series regular since season four, when we met her. Two years ago. And... I didn't do the research on this. I, I bet Buffering did. That's why they get paid the big bucks. But um, I, I would be willing to guess that's, that James Marsters, who plays Spike, has probably been in the credits. Um, another character that, like, he's not in every single episode. Tara's not in every single episode. But um he's enough of a series regular that he's probably been in the t the credits since probably season 4 maybe not till season 5 it's possible he didn't show up in the as like named in the credits um in the title sequence or whatever i'm not saying it correctly because of course they're always credited you know they're always their name always shows up on screen but they just weren't in anyway you know what i'm saying that fucking pisses me off that makes me see red killing off tara makes me see red the, the to be honest apparently i'm just gonna try i'm just gonna talk about things in like the weirdest fucking order but you know you're, you're probably used to that let's take another sip of whiskey maybe it'll calm me <laughs> So, the rape scene doesn't actually make me see red. The rape scene is extremely upsetting. It's really traumatizing. I forget every time how long that scene actually is. Again, I think buffering, I think they actually had like a timestamp of how long, how long it was, how many times she said no, how many times she said stop, how many times she said please don't ow, I'm hurt. It was never, I mean, I, they were really hammering home the point that she was not consenting to this at all, even for a second. And I, I don't know, this might be controversial, but I'm glad they chose to, I understand why they chose to include this. I'm not angry at it. I think I think it was important. I even like that this whole thing led Spike to going to get a soul. But I do think that overall, especially as, you know, as season seven plays out and how he deals with his guilt and how he deals with the reintegration of his soul 
And I'm in for all of that. I'm in for any Spike character development. He's one of my favorite characters, you know? I don't trust him, so I could never love him, just like Buffy. But I like him as a character, and I like the growth that he goes through, and I'm here for it. However, I think, and this is obviously something that we'll be talking about in Season 7, but I think that they focus too much on how he is dealing with the pain surrounding the fact that he attempted to rape Buffy. We are more focused, in general, on how he reacts to that than on how she's dealing with the fact that he attempted to fucking rape her. You know, she, even in this episode, there's much more screen time spent on how he's reacting and she's just kind of like covering up her bruises and saying she's fine and refusing to talk about it, you know? And as much as Xander acts like he's, again, is this something that Xander doesn't want to know? Because he, he barges into her fucking bathroom, which by the way, why would he do that? But whatever. After it all happens, he barges into the bathroom. He sees her like laying there crying in her bathrobe with a bruise on her leg. And he asks, you know, he knows that Spike has been there because his, um, his jacket is at the, is on the newel post at the bottom of the stairs. Um, So does he, is he just being deliberately obtuse or does he actually not understand what just happened? And if he does understand what just happened, and it seems like maybe we're meant to think that he does, then why does he let it go? I think he does know what happened because he actually says something to Dawn, like in the next episode, I think he says something about attempting to rape Buffy. I think he actually says it. So he understands what's happening. I mean, I get that, like, but I feel like Xander is the type of character that after finding out something like that, he would do the, like, sort of, like, whatever, macho posturing thing, and he would start going after Spike. He fucking went after Spike whenever he was just having sex with Anya, but he doesn't go after Spike when he just attempted to rape Buffy? Like, really? So I am really mad at Xander throughout this whole episode. Like he was a dick to Anya in the last episode. He's a dick to Buffy throughout this episode. He doesn't defend and protect her, which like, I'm not saying that that's something that he should do, but it's something that Xander as a character would do. And he doesn't. And I get that Buffy didn't want him to. And she would have stopped him. And he knows that she would have stopped him. But that wouldn't have stopped him before. That wouldn't have been... I don't know. I'm mad at him. I'm just really mad at him. And, and, okay, so, like, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But the very last scene, right before Warren shoots Buffy and Tara, you know, Xander has shown up to kind of make up with Buffy. And he says something, you know, he kind of cops to some shit. But... He never says the words, I'm sorry. Buffy says, I'm sorry to him, which I, I don't think she really needed to, to be honest, because what she's apologizing for is not telling him that she slept with Spike. It's really none of his fucking business. It truly isn't. Like, 
I get that, you know, like she was hiding that relationship from everyone because she was ashamed, because it was something that was done out of, out of solace and desperation and addiction and obsession and lust. It was something done for all the wrong reasons. And that's why she was ashamed and she didn't want to tell everyone. And she was hiding it from everyone, but also she doesn't need to apologize for that. I, I don't think, do you guys think that she should apologize for that? She apologizes to Xander for not fucking telling him she was sleeping with Spike, which I think is stupid. I mean, I get if you're in the moment and you guys have been fighting and she just apologizes. If, if you just apologize in general to a person because even if you have nothing to apologize for, but it's just part of the reconciliation process of like, you know, making up with your friend. I, I get that. But she specifically apologized for not telling him and he did not apologize to her. Like, yeah, he was saying shit like, you know, I, I've been an ass and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't actually say the words, I'm sorry. And then at the end of that conversation, they hug and Buffy tells him she loves him. So she tells him both, I'm sorry and I love you. And neither of those things are said to her. And that pisses me off. It really does. And I'm wondering, and I've never thought this before, but you know, the whole thing with the attempted rape scene is that Buffy is telling Spike, I have feelings for you. Like she literally says, I have feelings for you. I do, because he's trying to get her to admit that she loves him. And that's, that's the big thing. Admit that you love me. I'll, I'll make you feel it. I'll make you love me or whatever. Um, and she says, I don't, I don't love you. I could never trust you enough to love you. Do you hear that mom? I could never trust you enough to love you. This is the reason it could not be more clear than this. And she, um, says, okay, I lost the thread of what I was trying to say. Oh, she says, I have feelings for you. I do. I admit that I have feelings for you, but it's not love because I could never trust you enough to love you. And in this particular conversation, like I'm always analyzing whether or not, you know, Buffy's being an ass to him because a lot of the time she's just super defensive and rude and insulting towards him. And it's, you know, they just, they have a terrible dynamic. They shouldn't, <laughs> they shouldn't be in any kind of relationship with each other. That is clear. But in this conversation, she's not doing that at all. She's basically just saying she's just tired and she wants to take a bath because she just got hurt um, in a vampire fight because it he knocked her into a stone and hurt her back. And so she's drawing a bath so that she can, you know, feel better and soak in the bath for a bit. And she just wants him out of her fucking bathroom because he just like storms in her bathroom and closes the door and says we need to talk and like who does that who goes into someone's bathroom while they're getting ready to take a bath i mean like that right there is already just like so upsetting to me <laughs> oh my god um anyway such an invasion of privacy you know like fucking boundaries people i mean you're saying right now like probably no one listening whatever, like attempt to rape someone, but also do not go into a person's bathroom when they're getting ready to take a bath. <laughs> I 
unless you have a very comfortable relationship with that person and you know for a fact that they are okay with it and you've asked them get consent before you go into the bathroom of a loved one while they're in there in the robe come on anyway um so i'm getting very very ahead of myself so you know what let's go back to the notes let's go back to the notes willow and tara sexcapades my first sentence of the whole thing and then i just went on a whole rant about everything else we get a little bit of a conversation here i'm torn on how i feel about this because in the context of the conversation between willow and tara i get why Tara tells Willow that Spike and Buffy have been sleeping together. And then she says, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you, but I promised I wouldn't. And it's a, you know, I get it because like at this point, you know, the full context of the situation is that everybody kind of knows now. Everybody just sort of knows it's out. Um, and I and, you know, it's that sort of thing where, like, you know, some a friend tells you something in confidence. It's sort of, you know, an unspoken thing. You're probably going to tell your partner about it. You know, they probably know that. <laughs> um, and, it, and it stops with them. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I get it. I'm not really mad at it, but I also just am a little bit like, oh, Tara, you said you wouldn't tell, you know? Um, and she, obviously she really didn't, she waited until it was already known, but Willow didn't really know. She was just saying, I think there might be something going on between Buffy and Spike, you know, but she's still kind of dumb about it, you know, like she's still, her and Xander both are still, they're really not there as far as like, um, rec their recovery from all of the angst of the season. Don is there. Don was able to immediately recognize what was up, talk to Buffy about it, and Buffy was open about it. And like, but Willow's still in a little bit of a of denial stage, and so is Sander. Like, obviously, Willow has come really far on her own personal recovery, much more so than Xander, but she's still a little not totally there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, and then Willow's like, well, I'm just trying, I'm trying to understand. And why wouldn't she tell me? Like, again, Willow and Xander both are making this thing between Buffy and Spike. They're making it about them. And it pisses me off, you know? Um, Willow's like, why didn't she tell me? And Tara's like, well, she was probably afraid of the look you'd get on your face. You know, the one you're wearing now? <laughs> and, you know, oh, I love Tara so much. I just like, I... <laughs> but, you know, mm, I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with it in any sense. I really think they could have put, even if, you know last season when Tara got her mind sucked out by Glory, you know, something like that could have happened to Tara and Willow could have gone as evil. 
as considering all the other circumstances that happened in this season, we've seen Willow's power grow. We've seen her um, willingness to go to into the darkness in order to do what she needs to, what she thinks she needs to do to serve her power and her growth as a witch and her own selfish needs. All of that shit has been set up to such an extent that I think all they really had to do was put Tara in danger. They didn't have to kill her. And I know I said that last week and I'm probably going to repeat it again tonight because I repeat things a lot and it's just, you know, I think it helps me remember thoughts that I have to repeat them over and over. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. I'm just, I'm just gonna, whatever, go back to my notes, go back to my notes. I'm seeing red and I need to see the purple of my notes. Okay. Willow and Dawn in the hallway. Um, Willow's looking for Buffy because they're, they're just like, Willow and Tara are talking about Buffy and like, well, maybe she came home last night. I don't know. And we just didn't hear her because, you know, we've been kind of busy. <laughs> so Willow goes out and she um, looks to see if Buffy came home and she didn't. And um, she's having a conversation with Dawn in the hallway. And then Tara comes out and Dawn just like squeals. She's so happy because like Tara's like in a bed sheet, you know, <laughs> And Dawn is just ecstatic that they're back together. And it's a cute little moment. Um, but Buffy is out. I guess she's maybe been out all night looking for the trio. I guess that's what we're supposed to believe. Because it's morning now. She's found their old lair. They're not there. Any I think this is the one that was like, no, this isn't the one that's Warren's mom's old house this is their actual current lair it has to be because she knew where warren's mom lived um so she finds them like once she like sets her mind to it and she hasn't done it until now she decided she was gonna find them now and she did in one night um she might have been walking around all night or something but she did it she found them she found where they were staying and um there was like this whole buzzsaw contraption thing all set up um, to like destruct as soon as she found the place or something. I don't know, whatever. So she has to get out of there in a hurry. Um, and this is all before the credits. <laughs> we're, we're to the credits. 30 minutes in. <laughs> this episode. Oh my God. Um, then we get a scene, the only scene with Anya in it throughout the whole episode is, um, one where she's sitting at a bar with just some random person that she's apparently been called to do vengeance, um, for, and she just ends up talking about herself during this whole conversation. She's just venting about Xander and she looks good. She looks like regular Anya again. In the last episode, she looked very weird because they were like, they curled her hair and, Nine times out of ten, curly hair is the answer for me personally, but not with, uh, not with Anya. What is her name? I just forgot her name. That's fine. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I've known it before and I will know it again. <laughs> I'll think of it later and I'll just scream it out. So really that, that scene was just to establish that again, 
like we haven't seen Anya doing any vengeance. And I think maybe we're supposed to assume that she hasn't been doing any because um, the chick that she's talking to at the bar starts two or three sentences with, I wish, and Anya interrupts her to talk about her own problems. So she's not doing the vengeance or she's intentionally interrupting people because she doesn't, her heart's not in it anymore. And it's not, and we will find that out in the next season, but um, yeah. Uh, I just had a a momentary flash forward of, I think the rest of the season is going to be really fun, actually. I, I enjoy the arc of Willow going evil, and I am very much a fan of villainous women, just historically speaking. I don't really like seeing Willow being a total asshole, but at the same time, I enjoy it. And sort of that, like, if I can distance myself from it emotionally, because I feel like I know Willow, <laughs> I can just enjoy it for what it is. And the fact that Giles is going to be back soon. I think it, he doesn't show up until the very end of next week's episode. I think that's how that goes. Um, because we have three left, three left, one to talk about next week. And then the week after that, I have two to talk about, which is crazy because I work eight hours that day. So that's going to be, that's going to be a big day. I might have to record that episode a day late or something. Um, okay. Where are we? <laughs> I just had a momentary flash forward. Like it's going to be fun. The rest of the season is going to be fun. We just have to get through talking about this fucking episode. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm already like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel though, you know? Um, okay. So we get a scene with the trio. They, they're still enacting whatever plan we don't really know all the details of that, that started last week, I think. So they're in like a tunnel, they're killing a demon, they're wearing its skin to get through a portal. And then they get these orbs. They're called the orbs of Neslicon. And they're basically just all powerful balls that make you omnipotent. And of course, Warren's the only one that gets to use them, even though he's promised everybody gets a turn. But of course they don't. Um, then we get a scene. This is an interesting scene and I'm not sure exactly if I have anything interesting to say about it, but it's just kind of interesting that they put this in there. I'm not sure... Maybe I can talk it out right now and figure out what I feel about it. But so Dawn shows up at Spike's crypt. She's on her way to Janice's to spend the night. <laughs> it's just like, how many times has she been on her way to Janice's? And we've only met Janice once. Anyway, she's on her way to Janice's. She stops by, like, apparently Spike's crypt is on the way. I thought Janice lived across the street. <laughs> right? Oh man. Anyway, she shows up and Spike's, you know, putting whiskey in his blood or whatever. And which is what I'd be doing too. Let's be honest. I'm drinking whiskey right now. Um, and he, he makes a comment. Um, Dawn says something about Willow and Tara just offhandedly about what they're doing or investigating or something. And, um, Spike says, so the birds are flying again, eh? I just kind of liked that. The birds are flying again. Yeah. Willow and Tara. 
it's cute if they had let us bask in it a little bit longer. I wish they had. Honestly, like, if they're gonna fucking kill Tara, they should have given us more than just this one episode of Tara and Willow being back together again. You know? Ugh. I'm just so mad. I'm seeing red, guys. I'm seeing red. Okay. But Dawn's basically there to lecture Spike, I guess. So she says, everybody's pretty mad at you. And Spike's like, I get that. I got that or something like that. And she's like, everybody keeps telling me it's complicated. And okay. 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 I just figured it out. She's not really there to lecture him. She's more there to get the situation because she knows that she will actually get the straight situation first. I mean, like Spike doesn't say everything, but for the most part, Spike tells it like it is, you know? So, and before when she was talking to Buffy about it, Buffy was just like, it's complicated. You know, he's not going to be around for a while. Probably. I don't know. I don't know when he's going to be back, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and, you know, from Dawn's perspective, she's used to him being around. She's used to him being a part of the team. She's used to him being a part of their weird little cobbled together family, you know? So in that sense, her going over there and kind of gauging, you know, testing the waters of like what's going on from his perspective. I get that. I actually get that because the two of them do sort of have a bit of a rapport, you know, they've spent a lot of time one-on-one, -on -one, just the two of them, because how many times has Spike been tasked with babysitting her, you know? So this makes sense. Um, and this is also Dawn asserting herself to say, I am on my sister's side to a certain extent. Like she doesn't get like real, like if you hurt her or any of that shit, but you know, she gives it to him straight. If she actually, she just says, if you wanted to hurt Buffy, congratulations. Um, and I thought, I didn't think this, I've never thought this any other time that I've watched it, but this time I thought, oh shit, is this conversation what leads Spike to going to talk to Buffy? You know, and if this conversation hadn't happened between Dawn and Spike, would he never have gone over there? And then he never would have attempted to rape her, which, yeah, I didn't want that to happen, but then he never would have gotten a soul. But also, hmm, the ends doesn't justify the means, you know? I don't think. As much as I enjoy seeing Spike, again, okay, so even though earlier I just a few minutes ago said that I understand why they did this. And I do understand why they did this as a plot point, this whole attempted rape thing. I do understand why they did it. However, it's another case of it's possible they could have motivated Spike to go get his soul simply for his, his pain at the break after the breakup and his, cause he keeps saying, you know, it's different. Why do I feel like this? It's different. It's obviously his love for Buffy is different than anything he's ever felt before as a vampire. It's not just obsession for him. It actually is becoming love and it has something to do with the chip, but it's not entirely because of the chip. 
they're they're making all of these points already. They're just deciding to drive it home through this attempted rape plot. Just like they have been building up the fact that Willow is dangerous and Willow is self-serving and Willow has tasted the darkness. They've been building all of that up, but they decided to clinch it with Tara's death. They didn't have to clinch that plot point with Tara's death, and they didn't have to clinch the plot point of Spike loving Buffy in in such an extreme and different way for him that he decides to go get his soul. They didn't have to do that by having him attempt to rape her. But maybe it was just they felt like they had to be a little bit more obvious because TV? I don't know. Maybe, I definitely think that if this show were being made now, a lot of things would have been handled differently. Including this. They wouldn't have killed Tara. They wouldn't have done this attempted rape scene. And it's like, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad that it's there. I don't know. As upsetting as it is, I'm kind of glad it's there. Because, again, it's like, I hate to agree with fucking Joss Whedon on something, but he really wanted people to hate Spike (laughs) and they wouldn't because he's pretty and he's charismatic and I love him too, but we needed to know that he is not trustworthy. We needed to know without a doubt that he's not trustworthy, that, that this, in this universe, not having a soul means something. So this is the way they decided to show that. And it worked. I mean, I will never, ever forgive Spike for this. Ever. And just a reminder, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. I've read all the comics that follow the series that the comics pick up right where season seven leaves off. Well, mostly. It doesn't pick off, pick up, like, at the moment that the series ends, I don't think, but close enough. Anyway, I read all the comics, and Spike and Buffy have a relationship at some point, and I don't think that's okay. I don't think you ever get there. I don't think you do. And the whole... I'm on board with, you know, those little cuddle moments that we get between Spike and Buffy at the end of season seven. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with, you know, her having feelings akin to love for Spike. I'm on board with her deciding to forgive him even. Maybe. I mean, I haven't watched season seven in a very long time, guys, so maybe I'll feel differently this time. I don't know. Um, But I'm not on board with her trying to have a fucking relationship to him with him because at the end of the day, she's never going to be immortal. And he is. (laughs) And the entire reason that her and Angel broke up was for that very reason. So there's, I just don't think that with the growth that Buffy has made as a character by the end of season seven, it would ever make sense for her and Spike to try to have a romantic relationship. And they have a romantic relationship for a time 
in in the comics. Okay. <laughs> I lost the thread of what I was talking about because my kitten needed to be fed. <laughs> and she needed it now. Or else she was going to be pawing under the door and meowing. <laughs> Which is the same thing that happened yesterday. Oh, God. Okay. Um, okay, Xander. Buffy goes over to see Xander. She's trying to, like, make up with him, talk to him, see how he's doing. He's living in total squalor. There's beer bottles everywhere, clothes everywhere. He's he's not okay. And she's she's trying to, like, you know, have a conversation with him. But he's still being an asshole. And she says to him, You don't know you don't know how hard it's been. And again, Xander making it about him, he says, What, lying to me? And she says, being here. You don't know how hard it's been being here. And she talks about, you know, I was brought back, blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't even say, she doesn't even put any blame on him. She doesn't say, when you brought me back, I have been really fucking depressed. And you have no idea what that's felt like after being in fucking heaven. You know, she could have said all that shit, but she didn't. She's being mature. And Xander says, you could have told me about, about Spike is what he's referring to. And she says, you didn't want to know. Like, literally, in the last episode, he says, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know any of this. Literally, he says that. Then we get, oh man, I think it's the song Displaced. It could be a different Azure Ray song, but it's an Azure Ray song for sure. And that was nice. <laughs> then we get this fucking, like, scene with... Xander's at the bar and someone's flirting with him. Like, why would anyone be flirting with him? I don't think they would be. Like, maybe if he started it, because he is charming, whatever he wants to be. But she is flirting with him. <laughs> it's like, nope. <laughs> Wouldn't happen. Sorry. Okay. Anyway. Then we get a scene with Willow and Tara in Tara's bed. They're doing research on some disc that they found or that Buffy found in the trio stuff before everything got buzzsawed. Um, then Warren and Andrew and Jonathan show up at the bar where Xander is. Xander's in the bathroom because he has to pee because, you know, he's been drinking a lot. And so we don't see him at first. And this scene is kind of cute because Andrew the whole time is like drinking like a cocktail, like a really fancy looking cocktail with like an umbrella and like maybe a pineapple on the rim or something. Just like a really cute, fruity looking cocktail. And he's just walking around sipping on it the whole time. And it's just cute. Um, Andrew is almost in his final form of Andrewness, which we will get to see a lot of in season seven. And I'm very excited about it. Um... Um, let's see. Again, Warren goes for revenge. Okay, so he, so he's got his, like, balls of powerfulness, whatever. Balls of Nezlecon. What were they called? Orbs of Nezlecon. Um, and he's, like, invincible or some shit. He's super strong, whatever. So he, again, he goes for... Like, we find out, he starts flirting with someone who is 
there with someone else. And we find out that that person was one of his bullies from school. So he was intentionally like flirting with, and I say flirting, but really he was just like predatorily coming on to someone that was absolutely not at all interested. (laughs) And she just stands there. Like she doesn't say a single word, very, you know, she has no agency whatsoever. She's only defined by the fact that she belongs to this other person and he's only macking on her because he wants to stick it to this old bully of his because it's his girlfriend and whatever it's it's a whole stupid thing and it's supposed to be a whole stupid thing warren is being an ass face and he's being super like you know machismo guy machismo machismo mat i don't know how you're supposed to say that word he's being that guy you know and he says daddy at one point oh and Xander comes out of the bathroom. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm getting ahead of myself, maybe. Did I write that part down? Blah, blah, blah. Buffy bathroom scene. I guess I didn't write that part down, but... Or I did. Okay. That's weird. The, like, this scene is interrupted by the attempted rape scene. That's weird because my notes about the end of this bar scene are after my notes of the attempted rape scene. Okay. That's why it's not there. Okay. So we get the scene with Buffy. She says, she says, she's at a cemetery. She says to a vampire, how hard are you going to hit when you're blowing in the wind right before she stakes them? And then they kick her right before they get dusted. She's like, that was rhetorical. So that was a cute little moment. But um, he knocks her against a tombstone and like her back breaks the tombstone. And so she's like, you know, you see her like, you know, her back's hurt. Then we see her at home. And as soon as like this bathroom scene starts, I just like immediately start like hyperventilating. My blood pressure rises. I start like crying and like but there's like you know a couple of minutes of upsetting conversation before the attempted rape happens that's just normal conversation that you get between Buffy and Spike so he comes in he fucking closes the door behind him and he's talking to her in the goddamn bathroom and you know what I forgot to pay attention to because he leaves his iconic spike coat at the bottom of the stairs before he goes up and talks to her in the bathroom. And then when he leaves the house, he's gone when Xander notices his jacket at the bottom of the stairs. And there's an iconic moment where he like reclaims his jacket from Buffy's house in season seven. So I guess he's not wearing it when he leaves town on his motorcycle. I didn't pay attention to see if he was wearing it or not. I'm assuming he wasn't because he doesn't get it back until season seven. 
like halfway through or something. So you must be wearing something else, like another jacket or something. I don't know. Oh man, I wish I would have been paying attention to that. Oh well. Anyway. So Spike says, why didn't you let him kill me? Referring to Xander. Because he almost, you know, he had the axe in the last episode. Because you love me? And Buffy's like, I have feelings for you. I do. But it's not love. I could never trust you enough for it to be love. So I know I already said that, but <laughs> I gotta say it again. I, I tried to transcribe and I'm just not the person for this because I was too upset to be doing it properly, you know, but I tried to write down how many times she says no, how many times she says stop, how many times she says no, don't, how many times she says please don't. And it was just too many to count. And I say too many to count, but I'm pretty sure buffering did it, as I said before. So if you want those stats, go to them. I hate to send you to a podcast that doesn't need anyone to be sent to it, <laughs> but you know, and she eventually just like, it, it plays out like a pretty traditional rape scene that we've seen and way too many things because she's, she's hurt. So she's not, she's not reacting with the strength that Buffy would normally react to. And during this scene at the beginning of the scene, he like, I don't know, lunges towards her and she falls back and tries to grab the, the shower curtain and she hits her back where she's already injured. She hits her back on the, the like side of the tub. So, you know, a little bit of me is like, well, Buffy is stronger than this. Like she wouldn't be allowing this to happen in the way that she is. But at the same time, they are really like letting you know that she is fucking injured. She keeps saying, ow, I'm hurt. Spike, no, please stop. You know, all that shit. She's saying all of it. She's, she is telling him no in every way she possibly can. And it is, again, I forget every time how long the scene is. I mean, they do a commercial break in the middle of the scene and then they come right back to it. That's how much they're driving home this point of like, we're not supposed to trust Spike. This is the wake up call to every, every person at home that has a crush on Spike. And I got to say at the time that, I mean, I've said this before, but at the time I was watching the season, it, I was watching it as it was airing. It was like, my mom was taping it for me on her TiVo and I was living, I was 18 years old, right? In 2002, I was 18, 19, 19. At the time I was watching it, I was 19 because I would have turned 20 later in the year. I was 19 years old. I was living in my very first apartment. It was the first time I'd ever moved out. Um, and I was dating a horrible person, an abusive person. And I actually, I had a live journal blog at the time and I had code names for everyone. And I called my boyfriend Spike. 
And I don't know, like, this is all, you know, how memory is. It's, it's terrible. So like, I don't know how much of the abuse in that particular relationship was something that I became aware of. And I knew in my mind, this is how it goes. So just memory is fallible in my mind. This is how it went through watching this particular season of Buffy. I was super into the whole Buffy and Spike relationship. Like I was so excited when they started fucking, I was, I wanted them to be together. I wanted Buffy to love him. I didn't want them to stop their relationship at all. And the way that I remember it is that I didn't understand I remember it as not understanding that Spike is a bad boyfriend. I didn't get it until this moment. So even though it's super upsetting and it may seem like, why would you need to do this? Like a lot of people are against this particular plot point and I understand why they are. But for me personally, seeing this in 2002, it's what I needed to see to to get it. I didn't get it. And I was one of those fucking people that dated the wrong people. And I was not done in 2002 dating the wrong people. You know, this didn't heal me of that. But it was a, I think it was a wake up call for me, actually. Honestly, because my relationship with that abusive person ended at the beginning of 2003. So it was still going to be a while, you know, 20 years later, <laughs> here we are in May, 2002. And I didn't leave that person until I believe it was March, 2003. It was February, February or March, 2003 is when I left him when I finally had the courage to do it. But this is when I started putting it together. I mean, it's not like I didn't know that it was a bad relationship. We were together for five and a half years. I knew probably a year or two in, maybe. I don't know. Like, it's hard to say. Like, did I really know? I know I was making a lot of excuses. I was lying to myself. I was lying to everyone else. But seriously, being... And that was a part of my life where watching season six for the very first time as it was airing, I was really depressed. I had just moved in my, into my own apartment. Like I said, I was very lonely. Um, I didn't really like living by myself. I thought I would like living by myself because I really enjoy my alone time for sure. But being completely alone and being without my mommy I was very upset. I spent most of my time at my mom's house and then I would just go home to my apartment to sleep. You know, um, I wasn't spending very much time with the boyfriend. Like we were definitely like, it was a long drawn out breakup. You know, we just like spent less and less time together until we eventually broke up over ICQ chat. <laughs> so, um, this was still, this was a part of the end, even though it was almost a year before we actually broke up. You know what I mean? But I remember, you know, it, I would go over to my mom's house 
when I would watch Buffy season six on her TiVo, it would be really late at night. Like everyone else would be in bed and I would be watching Buffy on my mom's TiVo at like two in the morning. And then I would just leave. I would be by myself watching it at her house. And then I would leave, drive home to my apartment and go to bed, you know? And it was, a, it's a very punishing season of Buffy, you know, but it came to me at just the right time. It was like, it was meeting me where I was, you know what I mean? Um, two things in my life are like, this, this is the reason that I love Buffy is because of season six. Honestly, that was the season that hit me the hardest season six and seven were the only two seasons of Buffy I was watching as they aired. I might have seen a handful of episodes of season three as they were airing because that's when I first started watching Buffy was like halfway through season three or something like that. But I didn't have access to it where I lived during season four and five because it like switched networks or I didn't have cable anymore. I don't know, something. So I didn't have access to it during season four and five. But season six and seven, I saw it as it was airing. And it was exactly what I needed to see at the exact emotional time in my life that I needed to see it. Um, and I also feel that way about Fiona Apple. Like every album that's ever come out from Fiona Apple has been like the exact emotional reality that I need to hear at the time that she puts it out because she's like three years older than me or something. And so like what she's going through, what she's processing at the age that she's at, like she gets it put together for an album by the time I'm ready to hear it, you know? Because <laughs> emotionally, Fiona Apple and I are very similar. And I feel the same to a certain extent with Buffy. Like I feel like I grew up with Buffy, you know? I feel like this has just turned into a love letter to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which you guys know I like it because I make a fucking podcast about it. Anyway, so... I'm glad that this scene exists. I think it's actually pretty brave of the show creators, the showrunners, the writers, everybody to put this in there because it's so upsetting. They probably didn't have the right amount of disclaimers on it that they should have back in 2002. You know, I doubt they had like a little title card, like advertising rain hotline or something like that. And I think it existed by this point. Um, stuff like that should have been in there. And I don't think they had that. I think it was just played for the drama, but I don't know. <sighs> I... I'm glad it's there. I am because personally it was a wake up call for me and I bet it was for other people too. I needed that fucking, I needed to be hit across the head with the brutality of Spike to see it reflected in my own life. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and she eventually gets the strength. She pushes him across the room, gets him off of her. And she says, ask me again, why I could never love you. That's it, mom. <laughs> um, 
that's it. You can't argue with this. She can't love him. That's how it is. Um, then we go back to the fucking bar scene. Warren's calling himself daddy. Xander comes out of the bathroom and he's like, you know, what I think is throwing them is the daddy thing. Because incest, not that sexy. <laughs> um, that is the one good thing that Xander does in this entire episode. Um, <laughs> I just wrote Andrew following Warren around with a cocktail because he just looks so cute. <laughs> I love Andrew so much. I know he's kind of evil, all that stuff, but whatever. Um, he says to Jonathan at one point in the scene that he's referring to Warren. He's Picard. You're Deanna Troy. <laughs> get used to a betazoid or something like that <laughs> and it reminded me of i was having a conversation with some friends the other day and we were talking about astrology of tng the next generation star trek the next generation and um they were actually talking about like what sign do we assume the different characters are but in my mind when we when they first said something about astrology tng i was thinking of something to the effect of you picking a character to represent your sun, moon, and rising. And I've decided that I personally am a Picard sun, Riker moon, and Deanna rising. <laughs> uh, Data has to be in there, though. I just say that I'm a Riker moon because Riker is very, like, impulsive and stupid. And I'm an Aries moon, so I just feel like Riker would be an Aries. I really want to be a Deanna rising though. I'm just saying. Okay. Then we get the scene where Xander storms into the bathroom, which what the fuck? <laughs> Again, I say, what the fuck? Why would he storm into the bathroom? The door is fucking closed and he just like goes in there. Oh my God. Then we get the scene where Spike is at, he's back at his crypt and he's having flashes to what he did. So we have to see flashes of the rape scene you know we thought we were out of it we thought we were saved but no it's not over and we see him being plagued by guilt we do see that and spike says what have i done and then he says why didn't i do it what has she done to me and the language from here on out from spike is a complete and total misdirect from the writers. And I really, again, I'm seeing red. I don't like that they chose this because, you know, wh what I think they want us to think is that he was being ambiguous with his language and that, you know, he's headed out of town. He's going to make that bitch pay. You know, things are going to change around here. And then he's whining about the chip and blah, 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 blah. So, everyone assumes that he's going to get the chip taken out so that he can come back and rape Buffy? What? That's what we think. And we're supposed to think that, you know, really the whole time he was going to get his soul back. And fine, I accept that that was what he was doing, but they were intentionally misdirecting us with this language. And it's very... It's really not ambiguous at all. 
You know, he's saying, why didn't I do it? What has she done to me? It's the chip. Things change, says Clem. Yeah, they do if you make them. And he's like whining about the chip right before he says that. And like, and it makes me think, did the writers know the entire time that he was going to go get his soul back? That that was his intention? If so, then they were intentionally writing it as a misdirect, him saying all the shit about the chip, whatever. But I feel like maybe they didn't know, you know, like, and it's never entirely clear that what he wants is to get his soul back. That is what is the result of what he does when he goes to like have the, the vision quest and he fights and he does all the trials or whatever. And then he gets his soul back. But we never see him say that he wants his soul back. We never see him. So it's entirely possible that the show didn't know if they wanted it to be intentional. You know what I mean? Like maybe that demon gave him his soul back because it, because that's what he needed truly within himself. Even though what he thought he wanted was to get the chip out, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I'll be talking a lot about that in the next season, so we can skip over that right now. But um, we get to see Clem, at least, and he's trying to comfort Spike. And he's like, he says, you never know what's around the corner. Things change. And that's when Spike says, yeah, they do, if you make them. Um, then we go back to the trio. They're showing up at a bank, and they're stealing a bunch of money and whatever. And then I wrote my next note is beating up Warren is Buffy's Tetris. So there's this thing. I never remember like details of shit, but there's, there was a study done at some point that I read about or heard about or something where like, um, it's been shown that when someone very first, like right after a traumatic episode in their lives, if they play a game like Tetris or some other like sort of problem solving, puzzle solving kind of game, right after a traumatic incident, the, um, the tendency to develop PTSD goes way down. So... <laughs> And I think about that all the time. If something really upsetting has happened to me, I'm like, I need to play some Tetris right now, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I just wrote beating up Warren as Buffy's Tetris. So it's like she, within hours of this attempted rape situation, she is, she goes and she fights Warren and she, she's doing a lot better. Like her back isn't as hurt now. Like, cause she, you know, she heals really fast anyway but also adrenaline probably. But so she's up against Warren and he's like super powered right now. And he calls her super bitch and he's an ass face and <laughs> beating up Warren as Buffy's Tetris. Because at one point he's like, he's like, you seem kind of off Buffy. Are you feeling okay? And she, is your night going okay or something like that? And she's like, it's getting better. And you can see her just like getting her power back, you know? Um, I don't, again, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I wish like the gravity of the situation from, I wish we got to see 
how Buffy feels about this situation. I mean, obviously she's hurt by it, but I guess we're just supposed to think, you know, she's really strong. She's resilient, blah, blah, blah. So she's just going to come, she's going to snap right back from this. I think they would have dealt with it differently if this had been written now, but this is what they chose to do. They chose to see her beating up Warren and that making her feel better. So then Jetpack, Warren, so Buffy smashes his orbs because Jonathan helps her. He like jumps on her back and he's like, he says, smash his orbs, smash his orbs or something. And so Buffy does. She sees his balls on like a little like thing clipped onto his belt and she smashes them. And there's this great moment where Warren thinks he's about to like finish her off or knock her out or something. And he says, say goodnight, bitch. And she smashes his balls on the ground. <laughs> of course that takes away all his power. And she just says, goodnight, bitch. <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love that part. So it is, it is nice to see that moment happen. It does make you feel a little bit better after the attempted rape. And then, um, Warren escapes because he's wearing a jetpack and, um, Andrew has one too, but he just like is under a porch or something and he bounces off the ceiling and it's funny. And so Jonathan and Andrew get picked up from the police who intercept this whole situation. Cause it was like somebody was taking a bunch of money in a truck from the bank to somewhere else. I don't know. And that's, and they were like, robbing the truck or something. And so the police were probably called. I don't know what happened to the people that were inside the car. Like, cause the car got knocked over. So it's reasonable to think that those two people were still alive. I don't know if we ever find out if we saw them running away and I didn't clock it. I don't know. Anyway. Um, cause there were two people inside the truck when it got knocked over the money truck. Um, but anyway, Jonathan and Andrew are, you see them getting like taken to jail. They're in handcuffs and everything. And then it's the next morning. Xander goes over to make up with Buffy. As I already discussed, I already said everything about this fucking conversation. He doesn't actually say he's sorry, but she says she's sorry to him. And then he tells her, she tells him that she loves him and they're hugging. And that's when Warren comes up and he shoots Buffy. And then he's like running away while shooting up into the air. And that's what hits Tara because she's standing in the upstairs. Um, I guess the, the, that bedroom overlooks the backyard and it hits Tara and she dies. And then Willow sees red because you see her, like her eyes turn like black red and her pupils get giant. She's, she's wearing those giant black contacts, you know, the ones <laughs> and her eyes glow red and she just, yeah. And does she say something? I don't know if she says anything. I think we just see her look up and her eyes are red. And, you know, I forget that it's three full episodes of Willow being evil. <laughs> three. 
Um, we're going to be going on quite a ride, guys. Are you ready? <laughs> um, I'm excited because from now on, it's just going to be, it's going to be kind of fun. Um, of course, we have to deal with the loss of Tara and that loss will, you know, will never be the same for sure. And we'll never see her again either. <sighs> anyway, RIP Tara. We loved you so much. So much. She got MVP so many times if I had been, I mean, I'm keeping track of my notes, but I don't have like a spreadsheet or anything. <laughs> oh my God, I should. I fucking hate spreadsheets. Okay. I don't even know how to start a spreadsheet. Someone else want to do it for me? If you do, hit me up. Ray at protonmail.com. I will give you the information. <laughs> you just have to do the spreadsheet for me. I'm too old. I'm not really too old to learn how to use a fucking spreadsheet. I'm only 39, but I don't want to. Okay, anyway. I know how to input information into a spreadsheet. I just don't know how to start one. <laughs> okay, let's do ratings, shall we? I think we've belabored this fucking episode. We have ran it into the ground because not only have I talked about it for over an hour today, but I've also talked about it so much leading up to this moment. The relief is settling over me already, though, guys, to finally be done talking about this episode. Not like I'll never refer to it again, but I'm just glad. I'm just glad we are at this moment. Okay. Object of the episode. Again, I I just feel like we haven't really seen any new... We're not really seeing any new set pieces. We're not really seeing any new... Um, we did get to see Tara's bedroom, which this is a new bedroom for her because we haven't seen this bedroom because she was living with Willow until they broke up and we didn't see her place until now. But we really, it was just very dark. I don't think they actually like did like a full set dressing. This is the only time we see it. So they didn't really put enough effort into it because it was just for this one scene. So surely Tara's bedroom would have had some cool shit in it, but we didn't really get to see it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's anything. So again, no object of the episode because everything I've, cl I've already claimed before. The only thing I could think of was the really cool like teal beaded curtain that's in the magic shop, but it's been there forever. So I'm sure I've claimed it at some point. Outfit of the episode. Um, oh God, there was this one moment where like Willow, Tara and Buffy were all wearing these atrocious like 2002 era <laughs> peasant tops with bell sleeves. Okay. I love a bell sleeve. Don't get me wrong, but ugh, they were like, country looking like oh not for me not for me um really no one's wearing a good episode no one's wearing a good outfit in this episode yeah so i'm just gonna leave that one blank too mvp of the episode jesus um let's go with dawn let's go with dawn have we ever given it to Dawn? Maybe a couple other times because she's, 
she's being really mature lately. Truly. I mean, Buffy too, but I just don't really give MVP to Buffy as a rule, just in general, because she's the fucking superhero, so she's always MVP, right? Quote of the episode. I mean, the quote itself is not great, but just the moment of Buffy saying, goodnight, bitch, to Warren is awesome. So we'll, we'll say that's the quote. Five by five. Oh God. How the fuck can I possibly rate on a numerical value the, an episode that I'm going to put on my shit list simply because I don't want to relive that trauma moment again. I don't want to do it. I don't want to watch Tara die ever again. I don't want to watch the attempted rape scene ever again. And at the end of the day, this is entertainment. This is a TV show. You can skip over the parts that are upsetting if you want. But it's such an, this is an iconic episode. Like it helped me deal, it helped me face the fact that I was in an abusive relationship. This episode is important. (sighs) But I don't want to see it ever again. So there's that. I might, in fact, actually skip this episode in future rewatches. I did drink more whiskey than usual, but not a lot. I thought I was going to get, like, hammered while talking about this episode, but I'm fine. I just drank, like, a shot and a half instead of a shot. What am I going to rate this fucking... Let's give it a three and a half. I feel like I give every fucking episode a 3.5 out of 5. Let's do that. That's what I'm doing. 3.5 out of 5. Because I think it's important, even though I'm going to put it on the shit list. Because I'm pretty sure there's only going to be three episodes on the shit list. The Pack, Ted, and Seeing Red. That's it. Everything else, I won't be skipping it while doing rewatches. Okay, so... That's that. We finally did it, man. We did it. Yay us. We talked about seeing red. I will see you next week where we will talk about villains. Yes. It's going to be good. Okay. See you then. Bye.